Blog Talk Radio. Today we play great moments in opera. Okay, cute table. In 1710, Agrippina by Handel. This was Handel's last opera that he composed. Hey, Tomo Culture Moral fans, welcome to the show here on another Sunday, a little bit earlier than usual. Sign Guy with you. We have two big hours today. Coach will be joining us for the second hour. But we want to thank Inclusion Pro Wrestling. They had their debut event last night. Myself, Chicken Bob, Dimitri, and the good son Andrew Michelson all on that show last night. QT Vokes in attendance for that show. So Turnbuckle Turmoil well represented. It was a very, very successful debut event. So we look forward to the next show. We'll definitely thank you to them for having us. So our guests today, the first guest should be joining us shortly, so we will wait for him patiently. We will have a brief musical interlude.
I believe our witness let's bring him on right away. We have with us all the way out of the great state of North Dakota, the fallen one vendetta. Thank you. How are you guys doing today? Doing very well. Well, since it is your first time with us today, we're going to start you out today with the first-timer question. What gets sure. you into the business of professional wrestling? Well, what got me in is just, you know, growing up watching it, watching all the, the stories and everything, you know, you just, you just want to be a part of it. And, you know, having a hard time with bullies through high school, I wanted to prove to myself and others that you can always just do more than what you're told. Getting into professional wrestling, did you have a background previously, whether it was athletics or drama or anything like that that prepared you for professional wrestling, or was this an sort of whole? I mean, you know, I, I did baseball throughout uh, my life, and um, I mean, anyone that's been in high school, you know, you, you deal with drama all the time. <laughs> To where I think that just mentally prepares you to what you'd be walking into. In your area there in North Dakota, wrestling did not really have a full-time territory in the territorial days. It was in North Dakota. You saw the AWA here a few times. Sometimes stampede wrestling from would come down into North Dakota, the WWF show on occasion. Do you think that North Dakota is represented well as far as wrestling history goes, having not really gotten its own territory, but still having some territorial presence in it? Yeah, I mean, I think in its time, it, it has uh, stood by itself, but I would say in the past 10 years, you know, the companies that have been built and still running, you know, they, they're able to carry the weight of the state on their back and do very well these days. Uh, we had a gentleman on recently named Scott Icon Helmrest, who is also out of North Dakota, and he reminded me that WCW would occasionally run a Nitro in North Dakota, and they had three title changes in one night on a show out of the Fargo Dome. Do you think that if WCW had gone on for a while longer, that they may have had more of a presence in North Dakota and maybe put North Dakota a little bit more on the map? I mean, it's harder to say with companies like that because sometimes they, they'll only hit a certain area because they just couldn't get the area they wanted or they just try to dip dip their toes in the waters of different areas. But, I mean, if they would have, I feel like they should have had a long standpoint. But with WCW and the problems they had, it, it's hard to tell, really. Of the independent scene in wrestling 
for North Dakota is actually fairly good. There's a few promotions that run in the state, and there's actually more wrestling there than a lot of people that don't live there right in this state. For your own career, how healthy would you say in and around North Dakota is right now? I mean, it's all right. Uh, unfortunately, you know, the, the the drama between the company, uh, you know, you're getting companies that are attacking other companies just just out of their convenience when they should just be trying to work together more than um, the company I work for, we try to include everyone, but unfortunately, other companies don't see it that way. But, you know, you make do with trying to get everyone included and trying to make sure that every wrestler in the area coming into the area is taken care of. For fans that North Dakota is a very large state, but the lake is It's not a state that has a lot of large cities, all large fan bases, and traveling between towns is going to be a lot of travel involved. You have to travel quite a bit from town to town in order to have wrestling. Do you have several hours between uh, one show to the next just because of the geography of it? Um, not all the time. Sometimes the show is you know, two hours away. Sometimes the town is literally just 15 minutes away. Um, it, it just really all depends on what town you're trying to get into uh, from the geography of where you're currently at. But we usually keep it within an hour to two hour range. That way it's not too much of a hassle and everyone can get there in a timely manner. Hour to two hour away is not bad at all. No, it's not. <laughs> usually our our long-lasting fans are more than willing to drive four to six hours, but we like to keep it convenient for everyone. Your career, you travel a lot out of your own state to go into the neighboring states for a lot of shows, or do you stick mainly within North Dakota? Oh, no, I, I travel a lot. Um, in the year 2019, I had done close to 100,000 miles in one year of uh, just wrestling traveling. Um, I travel all across the United States. I was going to go to Japan, but then COVID happened. But, you know, I, I like to branch out, but my main focus is here in North Dakota. Uh, for people that live in areas that are geographically more dense, where there's larger populations closer together, they may not really understand that in a lot of states, wrestling fans are sort of spread out, and so what happens in one town 
might be a totally different audience than a show in another town just because the population are Yeah, you know, you always get a different fan base. You see on shows that you do that what works in one town does not really get over with the next show in the next, or is it still fairly what one town likes, the next town will like? Um, sometimes we have that, but it's not as common. Usually uh, we change it up a little bit to keep the fans uh, wondering what's going to happen next and, you know, what's this person going to do? Because I feel like the copy and paste method will only work so long until the fans get bored. And you never really want to bore the fans. You always want them to return to see what happens next, to keep them on the edge of their seat. So, I mean, we get most of the same fan bases. We have more some shows, we have less some shows. But even if it's 10 people to 100 people, you know, I, I personally like changing it up is always great. That way it's something new for them. In pro wrestling, everyone is aware that at some point in time, injury is going to take place because that's the nature of what we do. It's just that you've heard at some point in time or another. In your own career, what are some of the injuries that you've had to overcome? Um, I mean, I've, I've you know sprained my knee. I've uh, you know injured the shoulder, but the the one that actually put me out for a month was a uh, well, couple months was uh, I had broke my neck, and uh, during the healing part, the bones fused together. But that one was the most uh, healing struggle of my life. That would definitely cause a struggle, for sure. And with the broken neck, most wrestlers historically, when they have a neck injury, take quite a while to heal before they come back because they don't want to risk aggravating or causing more damage. You take extra time before you came back to ensure the neck was fully healed, or did you come back close to the time that the doctors gave you the green light? Uh, luckily, my doctor appointment was on a Wednesday, so as soon as he gave me the green light, I went to the show and just did my job. <laughs> I gave him no time. I was like, nope, I'm good to go. Set. Let's go. <laughs> but even during my broken neck, I would... I would do I would do matches, but I would not take any bumps, or I would do just appearances where I didn't have to do anything, just to keep the character relevant and remember. In the last few years, especially in the pandemic era, one of the things that caught on and was the cinematic style match where. You had a match outside of the normal wrestling arena and outside of the ring and put it in a different setting so you could kind of control what was going on and give the fans a show. I have to worry about a lack of crowd due to the pandemic. 
did you do very many of these title matches going through the pandemic or even afterwards? Uh, unfortunately, I did not. It was just mainly uh, just, you know, crowdless shows or, you know, just the ring in uh, different areas, but never a cinematic area, so I did not. Oh. Everyone industry struggled in that time frame because we are trained to listen to the crowd and adapt to what the crowd likes and the business itself obviously is towards fans attending and paying for a ticket. How hard for you was that adjustment when suddenly are no crowd, no crowd interaction, no yelling, no booing, no cheering, feed off of like to use? It was very difficult, uh, being that my gimmick does rely on feeding on the off the crowd and but I mean it took a couple a couple matches but I was able to adjust and then readjusting back when the fans started coming back with another cast on its own. But luckily, I can adapt very quickly. Now for the people that you've worked with, did you notice the change in how they wrestled when there were no fans as opposed to what you would normally expect when there's a crowd and fans involved? No, I mean, everyone was, you know, doing the same because we know that since there was no fans, that camera work and, you know, playing to the fans that are at home, you know, you have to give them that same retrospective of you got to treat them as if they're here because being that people can't leave their houses doesn't mean that they won't get the same entertainment they would if they left their houses. One of the things that a lot of people were also doing during that time is making sure that they came back there was new gear and a lot of people took the time and things were shut down to uh, get all new gear so when they came back they had a fresh set they had a new look a lot of people advantage did you think to alter your look or your gear coming back or did you uh, stay true to what you had um I mean I, I had upgraded my gear I had gotten a new mask um, but then I, I ended up going back to my old mask. Uh, but the new gear look um, made a bigger reaction because with a demon supernatural look at coming back after a world epidemic, you know, it, it would have been foolish of me to not take advantage of that and do an upgrade. Looking at shows you do and the wrestlers you interact with on a regular basis, who would you say 
most creative designs here out. Mm, unfortunately, the one I always liked was um, Jason Strife before he passed away because he, he, went, he went as the cool dog and he had a whole mask that looked like a dog and his gear had a little tail on it and I always loved the fact that he was able to bring a character who pretended to be a dog to life and for that I, I always am a fan of that. People that are familiar with you, they will know that you have sort of a, um, a term, kind of a, a creepier persona and sort of a persona like a character or a in ninety crow type of thing. What was the inspiration for you uh, getting the persona that you have? Uh, it it was mainly just you know like being bullied and whatnot. You know, it's the character is the bully that will remind the bullies that there's always someone bigger and you know, scarier, and that they are still afraid of what is in their darkness. For your own personal involvement, did you find yourself advocating towards wrestlers like The Undertaker and Kane and uh, like that more so than like the traditional baby faces like Morton, Brad Armstrongs, and people like that. Yeah, I've always gravitated more towards the supernatural gimmicks because I like gimmicks, not just regular wrestlers. I prefer a character that can draw me in. On the independent circuit, do you see a lot of people that do more of the supernatural type of gimmicks, or are you pretty much on the shows that you do one of the few that do it? Mm, I mean, either either works. <laughs> I, I just kind of choose the show and go with the flow. <laughs> One of the things that wrestling fans have always enjoyed is the faction you have historic groups like the Four Horsemen and the NWO, the Degeneration X, you had There's so many factions out there, and a lot of times supernatural gimmicks are easily put into factions. Do you have very many factions you've been a part of in your career? Mm. Uh, only one main one. It was called Revelation. There's a bunch of dark gimmicks trying to re reevaluate the Bible 
and use it against people to show how stubborn they really can be. Other aspects of wrestling that the easy storytelling device is when you have a internet going against someone that is by the book as a polar opposite dynamic working out so well usually. You find that matches that you do are easier when it's yourself first someone that's just a straight ahead wrestler or do you work better when it's someone that has another strong type of gimmick to them? I mean, both of them work because the only thing you really have to think of with supernatural gimmicks is even if a person's bigger than you, gimmickly they're stronger because they have their strength plus whatever supernatural strength they're in. So you have to treat the person as if they are your size or bigger. After that, of the match flow and dynamic will always be fine. I think of it as if, you know, Thor went up against Thanos. You know, you can win, but he's just a little bit stronger. You have to try a little bit harder. Things in pro wrestling that sort of became a hot button topic in recent times. people are going to bleed. But if they're purposely trying to do it, I would say, you know, blood should be used for a story. You know, if someone's going to bleed, I, I feel like it should make sense. You know, it should be like the end-all of end-all type matches. But just all the time that people bleed or they're just doing it just for the hell of it and it doesn't make sense, I actually get aggravated because then it just takes away from the story they were trying to tell and probably takes away from the main event because now the main event's going to be boring because there wasn't blood and it it should just be used at the right time in my opinion unless it's an accident oh, have you yourself personally bled very often during matches um, I used to do some death matches but Mainly most of my blood's accidental. Since I wear a mask, it's kind of hard to tell when I'm bleeding until I take it off. But I, I've had some cuts and scrapes on my arms through time. But not not as much as most people. One of the things that has forced companies to blood in certain ways the athletic commissions. Some states have very, very strict commissions, and they have a commissioner every show, making sure the 
are followed and upheld mission that only them check every time you run a show. Other states have absolutely no commissions. In the places you go, how often do you deal with the athletic uh, Like two out of three times. I don't go to a lot of states that would require a license and athletic commission, stuff like that. Because that's just, it's a hassle. Like they, in my opinion, they expect you to pay $80 just to do stuff that's you know, it's your job and it's your, it's your profession, hobby, you know, like you got to pay to pretty much get beat up. And it's pointless in my opinion. So I, I, tend to, I tend to not go out there as much. If you were able to control things yourself and establish the groundwork for a commission and have the rules in place that you thought were not only appropriate but fair for What rules would you set as a standard for an athletic commission? Uh, too many. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. There's too many because there's too many nonsense going on. You coach shows. You often pull by the motor or the booker ahead of time if there are certain rules that you have to adhere by, whether it's from the athletic commission or if it's just the company's own set of rules that they want wrestlers to abide by that show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I like the, the rule structure because then it keeps people in line and from kind of ruining things. One of the parts in wrestling that is also tied in with rules is the role of the referee, and they oftentimes are overlooked by people both in and out of the industry as far as their importance to things, but a good referee can help save a bad match. A bad referee can think a good match in a hurry. Who are some of the referees out there that you think have been some of the better ones you've encountered? I mean, all the ones out here are good in their own way. And, I mean, you're never going to have that perfect referee. Someone's always going to miss something, and that's okay. But I think all the ones out here are pretty decent. I haven't had any problems. A lot of wrestlers break into the business and are given the job of referee to start so they can learn firsthand from the people in the ring how and why and when to do things. When you were starting out, did you get... Uh, book to referee very often? No, I have never really refereed. And, I mean, it doesn't mean I won't, but but I have not. But I will have to cut the interview, though. I, I, I apologize. I do have a busy day ahead of me today. 
No problem at all. And as you make your way out, if there's anything you want to say or plug or promote, go right ahead. I mean, if anyone hasn't heard of the Elite Wrestling Initiative, EWI, find us on Facebook. And feel free to check out what's going on if you're in the area. Everyone is welcome to our shows. And come have fun. Enjoy the festivities. Join the join in on the the beatdowns. And by all means, we'd be happy to see everyone. All right. Well, Vendetta, I want to thank you very, very much for being with us here today. Best of luck to you as you continue on your career. And hopefully we'll do this again sometime. Of course. You have a great day, sir. All right. Well, fans, jump on the YouTube, go look up the follow on Vandana, look up EWI. They are a very well-run promotion there in North Dakota. They put on really good shows, so get out there and support them if you are in that area. And we are expecting a second guest at the top of the hour, so while we wait on that to go down, some musical interlude. Oh, yeah. 
like this before. Wrestlecade just wrapped up in 
Greensboro, North Carolina. There were hundreds of all-time great wrestlers gathered there in North Carolina for the annual WrestleCade event. It was very well attended from what I am told, so it sounds like lots of wrestling fans found lots to do this week, Coach. Nice. Awesome. Love to hear that. Well, Coach, you also had a big show yesterday with Short Sleeve Samson. How did it go with Short Sleeve? Man, it was awesome. Always always wonderful to work with him and talk to him. And it was nice to have him on our this show in the past. And, yeah, it was great. Next week I got Cosmo Williams. He was out of the WCWC training school. I worked with Cosmo a good bit down at Blue Collar Wrestling. And we got him scheduled for Turnbuckle too, right? We do. He will be joining us in a Buddhist special. It will be a special time on the day of his arrival here. But we anticipate Cosmo coming here. He's never been on as of yet. Nice. It's nice that I got him hooked up for both of us. Yes. Absolutely. And then some programming notes. If you're looking to check us out next Friday afternoon, we have Cubo Carmichael making his way back to the show. First time in a while. Coach, he trained under Luthez and worked both of the two Hawaiian territories. Yes, what a story he has. And, uh, of course, he's got uh, some stuff that's going on right now, too, that, you know, we'll hopefully get an update on, yes. Hopefully. Then a week from this very day, part six of the Wrestling Wives. We have some wives of wrestlers from across the country coming in and giving things from their perspective, their point of view. We always look forward to the Wrestling Wives episode. We got a few different wives, so we're going to get a few different perspectives on things. Should be an interesting time next week, Coach. Definitely, and sometimes those even get a little steamy, right? (laughs) Sometimes they do. Sometimes they do. (laughs) Nice. Always a plus. Yeah. On the 8th of December, we have Richie Scruggs joining us. On the 10th, it is Ring Announcer Day. We'll be joined by some of the great ring announcers across the country. On the 15th, we have the Golden Idol, Mark Koval, joining us, great wrestling manager. On the 17th, it is our tribute to world-class championship wrestling and a bit of a preview of the film The Iron Claw. We've got people from the old world-class championship wrestling days, joining us on that. You heard the other day from Bill Colville, who was security for world-class wrestling. He and uh, James Beard, David Manning, John Tatum, all on board. We might have a couple of other surprises as well. On the 22nd, we have Tom Simon, a very, very well-known wrestling historian. The 24th, it is Cooking Day. We have wrestlers that also are chefs and cooks coming on the show. That should be a fun one. Get your pad and pencils ready to jot down some recipes when we do that. Then on the 29th, historian Tom Burke 
will join us, and we wrap up 2023 with Referee Day on 1-2-3-1-2-3. Coach, that's going to be a fun one. 1-2-3-1-2-3, what perfect timing that is for a Referee Day. Goodness, that only comes around once in a while, yes. I don't know if we could have gotten that twice in our lifetime. <laughs> you might have to play the lottery. Uh, I'd throw in a couple of dollars on it. <laughs> nice. All right, cool. All right, still waiting on Bruiser. He said he will be here in just a few moments, so we still have a couple minutes here. And I will also mention coming up on the 9th of December, that is the next Northwest Pro Show over at the Key Peninsula Civic Center. You're going to see J.D. Masson, Brad Landon, Project West, Ty Kwan Bro, possibly the most popular wrestler in the Pacific Northwest, currently active. He has a following like no other I've seen in recent memory, Coach. Awesome. That is very cool. And then, of course, later in the month on the 31st, one two three one two three day, Wrestle Club wraps up their year. It is not the annual show at City Hall this year, but they are running a show. It will be in Caldwell, Idaho at the church, which is a very, very nice venue. So get out there and celebrate your New Year's Eve with the fine, fine people at Wrestle Club if you're anywhere in the Boise area. Yes, definitely Wrestle Club is the hit, yes. Coach, have you ever wrestled in Idaho? I haven't. I ha- had gone to the Jake the Snake uh, versus Jim Rose Circus uh, show over there, but I never got to wrestle. Career goal still in place then. Yes. At one point in time there, Wrestle Club had statewide television on one of the broadcast affiliates. Fans all over Idaho could see myself seven days a week if they wanted to because they aired every day at different times. Awesome. You are must-see TV, yes. I really was there for a while, but it looks (laughs) like our guest has joined his coach, so let's bring him on. We're delighted to have the great wrestler and also promoter of Rocket City Championship Wrestling, Bruiser Koloff with us. Bruiser, thank you very much for taking time to be with us here on a Sunday afternoon. How you doing today, guys? Good, man. Doing Thanks. Very, very well. Thank you. Good, good. So, uh, so you guys, uh, tell me a little bit about your show. Uh, I'm just not familiar with it. There's so many podcasts these days. Well, we are, of course, Turnbuckle Turmoil, and we have been around since around 2010. We've interviewed many, many, many people within wrestling and sometimes a little bit just outside the bubble of wrestling. And we have talked to many, many promoters, and you qualify for all of that, I believe. Yeah, I I do, definitely. And then almost well, 1,900 shows. 
That's good, guys. It's really good, 1900 shows. Indeed we have. Well, since today's the first time we've had you on the show, I'm going to lead you off with our first-timer question. How did you get into the business of professional wrestling? Man, I started back, I started training back in 1993 in um, Pitts, PA, a promotion called PWX. It's also known as NWE, East. So I believe it's, it's still running. Jim Miller's the promoter there. Uh, the guy that trained me, he was raised by Gito Mongol. So, uh, you know, long, long lineage right there with professional wrestling in the Pittsburgh area in the old WWWF. And um, my pro debut is 1995 in October against uh, Mike Quackenbush. You might know him. He was the, the guy who, um, he was the owner of Shikara back in the day. Yes, he was. Yes, very well known yeah. on the independents. But like we said, you are also the promoter of Rocket City Championship Wrestling, and it runs in the Hazel Green, Alabama area. Has for the last yeah, we're, seven. Uh, yeah, we're we're 15 minutes out of out of Huntsville. Huntsville is like the biggest city in Alabama now. It's grown like crazy, actually, in the last couple of years. And uh, you know, it's, it's a, the home of NASA and stuff like that. So you know. Uh, Space Center, all that good stuff. So, yeah, it's it's grown um, in December. Our next show is December 2nd. That's our seven-year anniversary show, Rocket City Championship Wrestling. We run the first and third Saturday for seven years nonstop now. Uh, what was it that attracted you to get into the promotional end of the wrestling business, which is probably the hardest job within the industry? Um, basically down here in Alabama and Georgia and Tennessee and these surrounding areas, the promote the promotions just suck. They were horrible. They were horrible, man. I mean, they were literally um like you you wouldn't want to take your family these type of promotions. Because they were they just like I always judge things. I was trying to think of like a fan. Okay, if I'm a fan, I walk in with my, my, my wife and kids. Do I want them at this show? Do I feel comfortable with them at this show? And I, I couldn't say yes to most of those. So I just decided seven years ago now just to start my own promotion. I had the had an extra building behind my fitness center, and I said, you know what? I'll start my own promotion, and that's really all there was to it. Obviously, you'd wrestled for quite a long time prior to that. Was it easy for you to get started because of having contacts in wrestling and maybe knowing the people that own venues and rings and things like that, or was it so new to you as far as that aspect that it was a bit of a struggle or maybe even a little of both? It, it was a little bit of a struggle because, um, you know, as, as a performer, I, I go, I do my job, I get paid, and I leave. I, I'm not one of those guys, I'm not, I don't hang out with the boys. I mean, one of the first roles in pro wrestling if you're a worker, I mean, you don't hang out with the guys. It's just, there's no reason to it unless you're in, in the drugs and stuff like that. And I'm not. Um, so I go perform and I leave. So I had, I found a, I found a ring down in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Some guy selling a ring, a piece of junk ring. Let me tell you that. So I get this thing and, uh, I mean, it was bowing in and everything, but I think the first ring I got, I want to say I paid approximately $3,000 for it and it was junk. So I sold that after about, Probably after six months, some other promoter wanted to buy it. So I said, okay, man, here you go. So you, 
he bought it. And um, so my, my first show, I just contacted a whole bunch of guys, a whole bunch of guys. I said, okay, guys, I can't promise you a big payday or anything. I can't promise this or that and the other. But um, if you're willing to do this, we'll put on a show, and I'm going to start a promotion, and you guys will have a regular place to work, a good place, right? So um, that's how Rocket City started, and we've just grown and grown and grown and grown and grown. We continue to grow. Um, when it comes to Alabama, I mean, we're 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 the top promotion in this. They, in my opinion, we're the top uh, top promotion in the South, bar none. I mean, no one has our level of production. Um, I mean, it's just you can't compare. You can't compare Rocket City to anywhere else. It's its own thing. I mean, we we host events. We've hosted. Uh, you know, if you guys are familiar with Conrad Thompson, the uh, thing's called the Podfather or something like that. Conrad's one of my good buddies. So we actually hosted this last year's, um, what did he call it, uh, Top Guys Weekend. And then we we filmed TV commercials for George Kittle and uh, Chubby's just a couple months ago with our world champion, Adam Priest, and one of our guys, uh, Tiger Kid, you know. So, yeah, and I get, we got a movie coming up or we're doing in, in January. So, I mean – we're just all over the place. Plus, we're constantly promoting shows first and third Saturday of every single month. For the people within the industry that might be listening to this and they have an interest in coming to Alabama to apply their trade, what would you as a promoter want for someone that is going to attempt to get secured bookings with you? Um, most most of the guys who reach out to us through our Facebook page and stuff like that, or you know, hit me up on Facebook personally, I tell them I said, um, you know, I can't I can't promise you a big payday, promise you you know, twenty bucks, um, but you know it's opportunity, and hopefully they can learn. And I've had so many, I mean, thousands of guys through the years come down here, who come down and they're supposedly a big deal, and they come down here and. You know, they learn a lot because they're like, they'll be the first to tell you, man, this place is so professional. Because we're part of OVW, too, with Al Snow and the guys up there in Louisville. So, you know, we're also a, a training ground for OVW wrestlers. So guys come in here, and then if they, I think they're good enough, I give Al a call, and I can, I can ship them up there to Louisville, and they'll be on OVW TV. So, I mean, we're a little more than just your local indie wrestling promotion. Al, as a promoter and as a talent even, what are you looking for when it comes to new talent? Do you have a set criteria that you look at as far as their resume and lineage? Are you watching footage to see if you think they're going to fit with what you have? Are you going with recommendations from people you know that may have worked for these people? What is your own guide as far as you're going to hire someone or not hire someone? Attitude. Attitude. If they got a good attitude, that's everything. I mean, I don't care who you are. If your attitude sucks, I don't I don't, I don't use them, bottom line. I mean, um, I want guys with a good attitude, and they come to our locker room, and they're like, man, this is a great locker room. That's how you can tell because, you know, as a worker, you go into a locker room, and you can tell right away, like, what in the hell is going on here, right? Are is totally different. Like the guys, they watch the matches, and even the vets. Say I got like Sim Bodie in here, or actually Mike Jackson or something. They'll watch matches and like, hey man, um, let me give you a little pointer on that. And they will. You ask them to watch your match, they will, and they'll help you. And that's what it's about. It's about constantly growing, learning. 
I've been doing this since what? Started in '93, probably in '95, but I'm still learning. You learn something new all the time. I'm like, huh? And you just, you know, you put a little twist on everything, right? Make it your own. It's pro wrestling. Nothing's really original. Guys just rip off guys for years and years and years, but they change one little one little thing to make it their own. So now it's unique. But yeah, the guys got to have heart and they got to have desire. And they got to have a great attitude. Without a great attitude, they're I don't need them. One of the things that a lot of companies have to deal with, depending on their individual location, is the state athletic commission. And the athletic commissions are different state by state by state. Some are very, very strict, and they will send commissioners to every show to make sure things are being upheld. Other states are very lax and required just to receive a check periodically. Other states have no commission set up at all. I know there is a commission in Alabama. How are things working with the athletic commission for you and your crew? Uh, the athletic commission is great. It's real easy to work with. If you need something, there's a phone call away. I mean, um, it's much better in the past like year and a half, two years. We used to have this lady in charge, and she was actual drizzling shits. She was horrible. She was a nightmare. No one wanted to work with her. And um, you need to put some else in charge, and now it's a breeze. And I think every promoter in Alabama will tell you the same thing. Our commission's great, and we have no issue with them, and they're they're easy to work with. In Kentucky, like in Kentucky for a reason. So Kentucky, you get your – let me see. How much was it when I was up there working? Um, you didn't even get a blood test. You had to go to the doctor, get a blood, you had to get a blood test. You had to get a full physical um, – I mean, it was a lot. So besides your your um, doctor and everything, say like a hundred bucks there, then you have to buy your your, um, your license, and I want to say it was another fifty or seventy five. So I mean, in Alabama, we have it easy compared to a lot of states. New York, New York's tough. I wrestled in New York for. Now you get a blood test, a full physical for New York, and pay. I think it was over a hundred dollars at the time. This is years and years ago. Um, so yeah, Alabama's great. This time, my co-host, Coach Mike Jones, is standing by, and I know Coach has some questions as well, so I'm going to pass things right over to him. Sure. Hey, brother, how you doing? Hey, how you doing today, Mike? I'm doing good. Thanks for uh, for your time and for allowing us to interview you. We appreciate it. Uh, no problem. Thank you, guys. Okay, this first segment is called Heroes. Who are your heroes growing up? That includes ordinary life, sports, music, and wrestling. Um, well, I've always been a wrestling fan ever since I was a little boy. And uh, believe it or not, one of my favorite wrestlers as a little boy was actually Mike Jackson. I watched him. I was six years old. And I'm lucky enough, I see Mike almost every weekend, either at my show or another shows I do in Alabama. I'm like, man, this – and he's an encyclopedia of for pro wrestling. I mean, he's wrestling all. Dory Funk Jr., Terry Funk. Harley Race, Ric Flair, I mean, you name somebody, Ganya. I mean, Mike's been there, and he can tell you all about it. And uh, it, we're lucky to have someone like him who has all this knowledge, and he can pass it down to guys nowadays. It, to me, that's that's one of the biggest things. My favorite wrestler as a little kid growing up, uh, Bob Backlund by far. I love Bob Backlund. Um, Jimmy Snuka, I mean, who didn't love the Superfly back in the day? Um, Road Warriors. You know, when they came out in um, what, 83, 84, and Georgia Championship, I was a big Georgia Championship fan. That was my favorite wrestling was TBS, Superstation, right? 
and um, I've been lucky enough to meet meet all these guys I watched on TV as a kid and perform with them. So, you know, that was that was my favorite thing. Awesome. Yes, I'm a huge fan of Mike Jackson too. And how old is he now? He's still out there kicking ass. Seventy four years old. It's insane. Dang. Yes, Kevin Sullivan's still out there, but he's not wrestling anymore. <laughs> I saw I saw Kevin a couple of months ago. He was at our arena. Uh, we hosted a Top Guy weekend. So who was all there? Um, Kevin Sullivan was there. Of course, Lasheru was up there. Jeff Jarrett. Uh, Eric Bischoff. I mean, we had a, we had a ton of guys up there. It was it was, it was a pretty cool experience. Doug Dillinger, um, David Crockett. Um, there were there were so many. Uh, of course, Shivani. Shivani's always up there. So yeah, I mean, yeah. Rocket City's where it's at, man. I mean, yeah. If you're anybody in pro wrestling, you want to be a Rocket City Championship Wrestling founder. Who are your heroes in sports and music? Uh, I'm from Pittsburgh, so I'm a Steelers fan, right? So. I was always a, yeah. a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, right? It didn't matter. If they were on Steelers, you know, that's what I looked up to. Music, I was always a metalhead, you know, metal, and then I got older and started liking country and stuff like that. But growing up, it was always metal, yeah, or rock. Okay. Uh, did you play sports in high school or growing up? I was an amateur wrestler from the time I was 6 to 16. And then I did um, nice. started working out when I was 8. And then uh, one of my best friends is a bodybuilder, so I, you know, I tried bodybuilding, but I didn't have the genetics for it. Um, but I still work out seven days a week. I mean, um, I own a fitness center. You know, I, I love fitness, and I love – I said when I was a little kid, it's a true story. Uh, my goals when I was older, I wanted to be a pro wrestler, and I wanted to own a gym. So I've been on a fitness center for over 20 years now, and I've been a pro wrestler since 95 was my pro debut. So how many people get to live their dream? I always say I get the best life in the world. Yes, for sure. And then what's your self-defense background? Um, amateur wrestling. Amateur wrestling. And then okay. when I first started training for pro wrestling, we, we were trained old school ways. So we were trained like to shoot fight too, right? So yeah, yeah. think like early UFC. So I know a ton of submission and grappling techniques. And, of course, you know, it's boxing. And, yeah, I mean, yeah, I just never worry about this stuff. Because when, you, when you're in pro wrestling, no one can ever – pro wrestling is like anyone who's ever been – I've trained – I've trained so many guys because I'm also a trainer. I also train guys to be pro wrestlers. Uh, twice a week, uh, me and another guy, Jimmy Cicero, you might have heard it from him. We we train yep. guys at the Rock City Dojo to be pro wrestlers. That's that's what we do, right? And Cicero was trained by Ivan Koloff. So between me and me and Cicero, we have over 60 years of pro wrestling knowledge that we pass down to the new the new generation of, of guys coming in the business. Very cool. Okay, yeah. in your lifetime. What are some of the most memorable matches you've seen? That includes VHS tape, internet, or live. Man, I tell you, when I was a, when I was a little boy, right, and I've, I've been lucky enough to meet Bill After, which was like, you know, when you're a kid growing up in the seventies and eighties, the wrestling magazines were all over the place, right? We used to call them the After Max, and um, it's just funny that Jimmy Cicero, one of his best friends to this day, is still Bill After. I'm like, wow, man, you know, what, what are the odds? If we're growing up, you the pro wrestling magazines. With, with like the one, my okay, so um, Rock and Roll Express. There were they were tag team champions at Rock City for a while. I grew up on the Rock and Roll Express. You know who doesn't remember the yeah. kid when they beat their you know um, Ivan and I believe Crush Khrushchev, and their their debut was on um, the NWA show at the time. I forget which one it was called. Um, maybe Worldwide, but it was the whole show, and they won the tag team belts. I mean, that never happened back in the day. You didn't see it. But I was like, I'm a, my favorite wrestler of all time, all time, 
Jerry Lawler, the best all time. Oh, if yeah. you just go everything, yeah. he's the best. I mean, if you look at Lawler's body of work and who he worked and everything, and he's also a great commentator and promoter, but he's also a great worker, and he could he could put asses in seats. I mean, to buy he drew money. In a Jerry Lawler, uh, that's that's who I've had my punches off of is Lawler because Lawler has the best ever. That's who I try to pattern my punches off of. Um, yeah, Lawler was just he he's the best, and I've luckily the guy who makes our belts is also a good friend of mine, Dave Milliken. Dave makes he's like one of the best belt makers of all time because Dave learned from Red Park, right? So uh, and Dave's great friends with Lawler, so I've met Lawler a couple times because of Dave, and I was like, wow, and Lawler's just the best of all time. Period. I mean. People say Rick Flores. No, 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 no. Lawler. Lawler yeah. bar none. Other Lawler. things uh, people don't really catch up on is he's really witty in his promos. My goodness. Like you yes. said, he's selling tickets. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. People are like, oh, yeah. He's, he's short in stature. He's this. No, no. Think about what he did in Memphis. It was him. It was him for all those years and all his opponents. And it, Lawler. It was Lawler. You know, don't, don't, people say Dundee or Austin. No, no, no. Who's the main thing? Lawler. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay, now we're excited to hear about your most memorable matches. Um, my most memorable matches. Um, I'm trying to think. There's been so many. I mean, I've been doing this so long. Most memorable matches. Um, a couple of years ago, uh, like our big show we have is Wrestling Con, Rocksteady Wrestling Con, right? Um, but before that, like when I was in Pittsburgh, so before I moved down south, that's where I started with Pittsburgh. Um, King of the Ring 98, me and Brandon K. we had our – Jim Miller match work on this deal where we had a ring set up outside the arena, and it was packed. You know, because think about it. That's what Mankind and Undertaker held himself, right? So we were on that show. We were like the dark matches outside the building. It was pretty cool. You go to the back, and you see like – I remember like the, the Rock was back there, you know, him and the, the headbangers and stuff. And they're like, hey, man, hey, guys, good match. I'm like, oh, hey, hey, man. You know, I just – First time, it was young. You know, I didn't know who the hell was all back there. And you look back at it now, like, who's who? And it's like, oh, wow, that was pretty cool. But uh, one of my favorite matches, I won I, I the Rocks to the uh, TV title um, almost 600 days ago now. Uh, I worked Red Titus. Really, really good match. Good match. Love working Red Titus. Really easy to work. Um, super athletic. Uh, Bill Mortos. Um, working Bill Mortos. Um, beat him, I think, at a wrestling con three than it was. You know, Mil Mortos, Ricky Banderas. Ricky Banderas oh, yeah. is a legend in Puerto Rico. Like, I tell guys, like, Ricky Banderas in Puerto Rico in the day, he was like their Hulk Hogan. You know, it, he was that big of a star. Um, so, yeah, that was pretty cool. That was a good bout. Um, one of my best friends in, in the wrestling business, um, Sin Bodhi. Uh, me and Nick, I've known him for, man, almost 20 years now. And me and him have some great matches. I mean, there's, there's so there's so many. Um, I'm trying to trying to think of all the names. I mean, I, I was lucky enough back in the day to have a match against Jimmy Snuka. I mean, how, he is Green Boy. How awesome. is that? Jimmy Snuka, wow. you know, you grew up watching him. We're like, I'm in the ring with this guy, right? We're we're working, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, uh, guys in Pittsburgh, this guy named Lord Zoltan Ken Jugan. I learned more from him than just about anybody about the psychology of pro wrestling. Uh, he was one of my favorite opponents. Um. Man, there's been so many name guys I've taken on, like Pillman Jr., Brian Pillman Jr. I had a good, great match with him, and he's a good friend of mine, really good guy. And now he's in um, he's in the Fed now, right? Um, yeah. NXT. Uh, there's been 
half the NWA roster, the current NWA roster, they've been through Rock and City, and I've been in the ring with these guys, right? Um, so I can tell you who's good and who's not. Um, yeah, we've had so much talent come through Rock and City, and they're on TV all over the place now. Um, an up-and-coming guy, Spencer Slade, you're going to see a lot of him in the future. Uh, really good talent, really good talent out of Pittsburgh. Um, he's in AEW a couple times, NXT. He was on WWE TV a couple times, just doing little like backstage cameos and stuff like that. But um, he's going to be a name to look out for. I, I'm you know, lucky enough to uh, – you guys heard of Kurt Angle, right? Yeah. Um, so in, in Pittsburgh, my friend, one of my best friends who passed away is Sean Shocker Evans. Uh, through Sean, I was lucky enough to, you know, meet Kurt and help him in his early training, breaking into pro wrestling. Dang. I mean, how many guys Sweet. How many guys can say this, right? It's like, yeah. Goodness, yeah. Back in the day. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I've been doing this so long, I forget more than most guys will ever yeah, know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, what a blessing. Okay, what yeah. different characters have you worked in wrestling besides the one you currently do? Um, I've only had like three characters the whole time ever in Peru. I started off as um, Eliminator Barry Ray, and that whole thing came through through, uh, you know, your training and everything. So I trained for over a year before I made my pro debut, and I'm against Mike Quackenbush for my pro debut, and uh, the announcer says to me, so, so what's your ring name? No one ever oh. went over a ring name with me. So I'm like, okay, uh, my name is Barry, and at the time, I, I was an ECW fan, right? Who was an ECW fan? And Eliminators were a big, you know, I like the Eliminators. So it goes Eliminator Barry, um, and one of my favorite bodybuilders of all time was Sean Ray. It goes, that's where Ray came from, right? It goes, uh, Barry Ray. So then uh, I used that for a little bit, and then we changed it to just um, Barry Ray Kohlhoff, and we, I just dropped the Ray altogether after a little bit of time. And I just went from Eliminator to Short Fuse. My buddy Sean Evans, he's the one who came up with short fuse because I used to have a really bad temper when I was younger. I'd be that guy. I'd be walking down, someone give me shit, beat someone's ass, and turn around the same breath and say, okay, guys, uh, who's hungry? Want to go eat some more? like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> 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 and then uh, I, I switched it a couple years ago to this bruiser because, you know, my wrestling style now, it's like, um, you know, you evolve. You don't, I can still do Hurricane Ronas. I can still do all this crazy stuff, but I don't need to because I'm 52 years old. I don't need to anymore. So now um, it, it's more of a brawler base, but I do still a lot of writing. Some suplexes, superplexes, um, you know, you name it, I do it. But uh, I just changed my style a little bit to a monitor to fit because I'm not okay, right on. You know, 20, 24 years old anymore, you know. I'm, I'm yeah. 22 now. It's like, well, you have to change with the time. So try to recreate my, my character just a little bit over the years, tweak it a little bit. But I, I can work okay. baby, I can work heel, you know, because it's all – the, the best babies and the best heels, they understand psychology. And I learned all this from Lawler, where I'm telling you, Lawler is the best of ring psychology because he can make a crowd boo, he can make a crowd cheer, right? Just like that. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, some, some wrestlers throughout their whole whole career can only work one style. Hey, he can work either yeah. style, depending on where he was. Just like that, right? And, yeah. Uh, I still see a ton of guys these Yeah, I just still see a ton of guys these days because I work every single weekend somewhere. If I'm not Rocket City, the first and third, I'm, I'm other promotions every weekend. I don't like having Saturdays off. I hate it. Uh, I like being active. I like staying busy, you know. Maybe the already have so much time on this earth, you know. you got to make the most of every moment. Yes, for sure. And then who, in your career, who were your favorite people to work with? Um, Vince Kaplack. You guys might have heard from him. He was really, really good. He was a NBA Junior Heavyweight Champion. We broke into business together back in the day. He was really, really good. Um, natural. Like, 
he, Vince was one of those guys where everything he did was just easy. Just, it was God-given talent, right? He didn't need to work on it. You know, us guys working on punches, working on this. Vince just did it. You know, it's, that's, that's hard to come by. Kurt Angle was the same way. Kurt Angle, he just, he just got it. Um, there's another guy. He runs uh, Rise Pro Wrestling in Pittsburgh. Um, Brandon Kay is his gimmick name. He was fun to work. I worked him uh, a lot when he was younger. Um, and I was lucky enough, to, a couple months back, I worked one of his students in um, Spartan Pro Wrestling down in Gaston, Alabama. Um, I think his guy's new gimmick was called Poster Boy Jason Hendricks. He's going to be good. We look out for that kid. He's going to be good. Um, but here's, here's my thing. It doesn't matter who I'm in the ring with because I'm the ring general, right? So yeah. it, and, and wrestling it's a dance, and I lead. So it doesn't matter. I worked with a guy, Lamar Diggs, a couple months ago, uh, or a couple of weeks ago, actually. Real big guy, um, big name in Georgia. Um, easy match. Easy, easy match. And he's like 6'5", 350. It doesn't matter if someone's like, I have guys who are like 500 pounds, have great matches with 500 pounders. I get to work a guy who's 150 pounds and have a great match because psychology. So, um, it honestly, it doesn't matter. Like uh, chemistry, I, I worked with guy Tyler Tyler Shoop a couple weeks ago. That was a um, he's one of Dr. Tom's trainees uh, a couple years ago. He was a wide receiver for Penn State during um, what's the guy's name? He's a running back now in NFL. Uh, Barkley. Um, he played Barkley. on the same team with him. Yeah, yeah, they were playing the same team together. I was like, man. So um, he, he, a lot of natural talent in that kid. But um, like, I don't have bad matches. I always tell guys, look at my matches. Go on YouTube, just Google them. I don't have bad matches. Uh, I can work anybody. It doesn't matter who they are or their style because in the ring, I'm going to lead and we're going to work our style of match. Right on. Okay. And then who in your career, who's been some of your toughest opponents? Hmm. Um, man. Toughest opponents. Brick Aldridge. By far, Rick was uh, going AEW a couple times. He was in NXT a little bit. Um, one of the just strongest, freakiest athletes I've ever had the honor to be in the ring with. One of my, he by far my favorite opponent ever. I mean, Rick, Rick. I mean, I can't tell you enough. I, I could tell this guy do this, and it's done. He never did it before. He was trained by uh, QT Marshall and Marks Factory. He tells him the story. I'm like, how long were you there? He's like, uh, three weeks. Where'd you learn? He's like, nothing. <laughs> oh goodness! <laughs> but in a ring, he could do anything. You just say, "Give me a power slam, power slam. Give me a gorilla press, gorilla press." Headbutt from the top rope. He just did it. He never did it before. He just did it, and it was perfect. It was like, wow. Yeah. Sounds and like, uh, sounds like a natural. Unfortunately for Brick, I mean, um, I believe he retired from the business because he, he all the potential, so much potential. So he had a trial at AW, and so QT takes him down there, and and uh, Tony Khan is like, I just don't see how I can draw money at this guy. I'm like, what in the world? I'm like, uh, it's artist. I guess it's different. I don't know. I don't see how you can't draw money. The guy was only 30 years old. Great look. Looks like a beast. Um, he teamed up with a guy in AEW. Um, big dude. Big, big guy. Um, I wish I could remember his name. Nick Kahusi or something, Nick something, and AEW, huge guy, just big monster guy. Um, anyway, yeah, that was a tag team partner, but 
You know, they got a contract, he didn't. It's just, it's pro wrestling. You know, you can have yeah. everything in abundance, and it's all about being in the right place, the right time, and filling someone's need. Definitely. Okay, this next segment is called Favorites. I'm sure Sign Guy and the rest of the fans would like to know what your favorite coffee to drink is if you drink coffee. I do drink coffee. I drink uh, drink Folgers in the morning, um, 16 <laughs> ounces every single morning. Yep. Right on. Okay. What are your favorite concerts you've been to? Um, Goo Goo Dolls. I've seen Goo Goo Dolls more than any band. Uh, they were really good. I saw Kiss. Kiss is really good live. I saw them years ago in Pittsburgh. Uh, I saw Kiss. I believe it was Guns N' Roses and Metallica. So yeah, that was that was pretty good. But yeah, Goo Goo Dolls, believe it or not, my favorite band of all time. Awesome. Okay. And then besides the Pittsburgh Steelers, who else are your favorite sports teams? Um, Alabama Crimson Tide, because I'm I live in Alabama. My daughter luckily graduated from uh, University of Alabama last year, so uh, I'm a Tide fan. Yeah, you guys are always freaky good. My goodness, it's like a it's like a pro team almost. <laughs> it's insane, right? I mean, Nick Saban, yeah. what, what he's done in college football is unheard of. Think think how long they've been so good for so long with him at the helm. Every year, and how many people they produce? How many stars they he, produce? Yeah, every season you figure they all go that half their team goes to the NFL and is rebuild with this with another great team. It's yeah, like wow. Goodness. And you know, in college football, right. one loss is a big deal. So you know, I think we're yeah, I think we're yeah. ten and one this this season, and then next weekend we got the the Georgia Bulldogs. You know, so wow, SEC okay. championship. Yeah, when it when is in in Alabama and the SEC championship? Goodness, yes. Okay, what are your suggestions yeah. suggestions for people wanting to get into the business? Eyes and ears open and mouth shut. I say it all the time. Um, and then. Excuse me. Speak less, learn more. I always tell guys, eyes and ears open and mouth shut, right? So that's yeah. the first thing I learned in the business. If, you know, when you're in the back, speak when spoken to, honestly. Too many guys now, all they want to do is talk and they don't want to listen. And they wonder why they don't learn anything. That's our, our world. That's the biggest problem with our world now, right? Everyone got opinions. Like, so you can ask someone's an opinion, right? And especially um, in a podcast. You guys are doing this for, what, 1,900 episodes, I believe you guys said, right? Yeah, yeah. So you guys would know more about a podcast than me. How do you think I should do with my podcast? Like, I don't have a clue because I'm on the podcast business, right? So um, yeah. a lot of guys, they they don't know anything, and they take, the, they take um, guys' opinions to heart. You know, that's, that's the problem with social media, right? That's why you should stay off of social media unless you're promoting yourself. Don't ever read the comments because it's not going to turn out good for you. Because people either blow smoke up your ass and make you feel like you're better than you are, or they'll just critique you. And if someone like I always, I always make my students like me, you should be your own biggest critic, right? Tell guys get in shape because muscle is your armor in that wrestling ring. I've seen guys careers ended like that. And if you're out of shape and you're weak, okay. So in pro wrestling, you're relying on the other guy. You're giving yourself to your opponent to take care of you. And vice versa. And if someone's weak, well, if someone, if I say I'm in the ring with someone, I've never met this guy before, and I'm like, okay, man, now what movies like to do? Well, I'd like to do a power bomb. Okay, well, you're uh, you're six feet, and you don't look very strong to me, so we're not going to do that. But I do them all the time. I'm like, okay, you're not going to do it tonight because I'm trusting this guy. Now I've been this guy in the ring a lot, and I trust him. 
yeah, you let them do more. If you don't trust someone, you don't let them do a lot of things with your body. Yeah. That's why I've been doing this so long because I'm very safe in what I do in the ring. Awesome. Okay. And then what other schools would you like to uh, promote for people? As far as wrestling schools? Yes. Um, well, of course, you know, we run the Rocket City Dojo. Uh, OVW Academy, we were at OVW Development. So um, those are the two I recommend, honestly, because I've seen a lot of guys come out of wrestling schools with supposedly big names in wrestling schools, and they're not very good. And I've, I've worked with you guys myself. I'm like, wow. Who trained you? I'm like, you need to go back to the basics, bud. Yeah, you need to. You didn't pay attention in class. And I'm very straight front, up front with people, right? I believe that's the best way to be in life. You're being straightforward and up front. You know, you can't do any better than that. But the Rocket Seed Academy, you know, uh, Tuesday and Wednesdays from 6 to 8 p.m., you know, we get guys. If you want to be a pro wrestler, we'll make you a pro wrestler. All you got to do is show up put in the time. Yes, for sure. All right, man. I really appreciate your uh, interview so far, and I'm sure Sign Guy has some more. I I love your wrestling mind and what you've done for wrestling, man. Thank you. I wish you all the luck in the world. Appreciate it. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, Coach. Well, Bruiser, one of the things in pro wrestling that has been catching fire as of late is live streaming shows especially when we hit the pandemic era, a lot of companies relied on it to keep relevant and to keep fan interest while they were shut down from having live crowds in the buildings. A lot of companies still continue to live stream, but there's a segment of people that feel like live streaming hurts the overall attendance of the live events because people can choose to at home and watch the shows for free where do you stand when it comes to live streaming shows especially on an independent level um live streaming is the catch-22 okay i look at everything as a, i run my promotion as a business a lot of wrestling promotions don't run theirs as a business they run as a as a hobby right that's why so many indie wrestlers don't get paid anything at all and, this is the way it is. It's part of it. Um, live streaming, I could see where it could help. Like, I haven't live streamed the event. You know, we we record our events and put on YouTube. And the reason we do that is to get more subscribers for our YouTube channel and get it to, get the attendance better, right? That's the whole idea. If you study the business model of progressing for years, you always need TV. And the always for TV is to grow your live events. Now, live streaming, if it's your I could see live streaming maybe one event a year, maybe two, uh, to get people a taste of it. If you're trying to become like a Patreon channel and you want paid content, right? But a lot of this paid content, they don't make anything. Like guys going on Fight TV and everything, they make they make peanuts. It's not even worth it, right? It really isn't. And I, I've talked to Michael with Fight TV, and you know I keep on going back and forth with it. I'm like, do I want to? Do I not want to? I'm like, well, how would it help the business? How? Uh, it might get us some more fans. You guys were in New York City, I believe, or something. Get somewhere in New York. Um, well, we're we're in Alabama. Is that going to make someone want to drive to Alabama to see a wrestling show? I don't think so. Um, will it help you sell mer- more merchandise? Possibly. Um, but you need a good character to sell merchandise. Um, 
live streaming, it's it's a um, I don't think it's necessary. To be honest with you, it's not necessary. At the national level of the industry, there's probably more television now than we've ever seen before. WWE runs USA Network and Fox Network. AEW has TNT and TBS. Impact Wrestling is on Access TV. New Japan Pro Wrestling is on Access TV. Wow Women of Wrestling is on the CW Network. Every day of the week, there is a national wrestling television program running. Do you think that with so much national television, it's helped grow the industry, or do you think that it has oversaturated the market and maybe hurt the industry? Um, I don't think it hurts. Um, because, you know, think about it. People watch WWE or they watch AEW. Um, I don't know many other people watch anything else. To be honest with you, um, I, I just don't. Like, and I'm a promoter and I'm a worker and I talk to fans every day and hear friends. They don't watch it. You know, um, the fans that watch our product, our, our fans that come in, we have diehards. We have people who are there each and every week. You know, first and third Saturday of the month, they're there. They're there. You know, I know at our show we're going to have at least a small attendance. Going to be at least 150 fans every single show. At a big show, at about my big events, I know we're going to have four or 500 because that's what we do every single year. Because we create a brand, and I know what our brand does. And uh, we've done other shows. We do bought shows, sold shows, things like that. And I know what our fan base is. Um, so I mean, but is there too much wrestling? I mean. No, because everyone has their own niche, right? And there's so many niches out there. But I guarantee all these promotions that run, even like the New Japan, stuff like that, um, you know, New Japan's always been New Japan. I mean, New Japan's been forever. It right? started in other ways and it's broken up. Um, it's all about it's all about the bottom line, sponsorships, and are the bills all getting paid, and the guy's making money. But as far as, like, other, other shows... You know, look, look how many don't last. You know, if you look at that, look at how many shows just don't last. How many promoters just don't last in the business? I mean, I've doing this forever, and I've seen so many come and go. Um, I always tell guys, just concentrate on your own product and make your own thing. Yeah, that's the best advice I can give anyone. You mentioned merchandise a moment ago, and merchandise is a way – that a lot of the independent wrestlers actually make money in the business. They normally will wrestle for a nominal amount of money knowing that they're going to make several times more at the merchandise table. Promotions, some rely on merchandise to make money. Some of them have it available but don't really emphasize it, don't sell very much. Other promotions have practically no merchandise available and rely strictly on ticket sales and concessions to make money. Where do you sit as far as merchandising your company? You know, for merchandise our company, we, um, you know, we've got a Pro Tees page, we have Store Frontiers, we have our 
own stuff that we do sell at our events. Um, we don't sell a lot, though, to be honest with you. You know, I'm going to bullshit somebody. Like, we don't sell a lot of merch because I really don't push it. I push live event, and um, everything else takes care of itself. The more fans you get to your event, the more of everything you can sell. I don't care if you have the best T-shirts, the best logo, both this, both that. If you don't have enough fans attending your events, you're not gonna, you're not gonna last. So, live events should always be number one, unless you already have a TV deal and then you're selling sponsorships. You know, you're selling advertising. That's where you're making your money. Um, everything else, you know, it's, it's after. Those are two ways you make money in pro wrestling. As a promoter and a small business owner, how easy has it been for you over the last seven years to get sponsorships and have people advertise, whether it's in a program or uh, some sponsors have banners that they put up. Some of them have the ring skirts with their logo on it. But how tough. easy has that's it been the for you? That's the that's tough. It's the toughest part of pro wrestling. And anyone say it because it sells. Getting someone to give money to you, either if you sell them like, like say a 12-month sponsorship package or a three-month or a one-time, that's the hardest thing because you have to show that person where there's value in giving money and sponsoring like at a pro wrestling event because that, that's the hardest part. The toughest part. I'll say it all day long. It's the toughest part of it. Um. That's why you should rely on it. You know, rely on on your uh, your product to sell tickets to put ass in the seats. Everything else will come. Now, here in the Pacific Northwest, where we're based, one of the things that has hurt a lot of promotions is the ease of finding a venue that will be suitable for wrestling that is affordable to the promoter. A lot of venues post-COVID went to charging per square footage rather than a flat fee, which hurt the uh, cost-effectiveness of running a show. In your area, how easy is it for a promoter to secure a venue for their show? Um, you know, of course, that's always a big expense. Luckily for us, like, I own my own building, and I created Rocket City. Is, it's not just another promotion. It's a experience, right, it's a destination, because I created my entire place just for pro wrestling, and that's all that goes on in, in, my, in my arena is just pro wrestling. So, you know, a lot of guys, you have to they do schools, um, gymnasiums, Bars, um, you know, I've been contacted by schools. I've been contacted by bars that want to run a Rocket City show, and I'm just like, ah, I don't, I don't see how that same experience will translate into us being in a bar show or us in a school gymnasium. Because if I have to go to school gymnasium, well, I have to bring a ton of production with me, and I need like three trucks just to bring the production. And that's going to take, uh, you know, it's going to take me if I had ten guys. It'll take 14 hours to set up all the production alone, you know. So I'm like, um, we, we we don't run our show like a normal indie. We're we run our show more like a big time show, and um, 
you know, that, that's that's different than us. Um, now, some that being said, some shows have better camera work than we do, and that's one of the things I'm addressing right now is redoing our whole camera angles, start bringing some drones in and input drone footage into our wrestling YouTube page footage, which will look amazing because I don't know anyone who's doing drone footage in pro wrestling. I'm looking at the business from the performer's point of view. Do you think that having a weekly or a monthly show in the same building every single time is a positive as far as being able to grow as a performer and be able to expand fan bases? Or do you think that from the performer's point of view, traveling along a circuit and going into different venues and going to different towns is the way to go. Um, it's all who you know, bottom line, for pro wrestling. Guys think, when you hear the guys saying, I can get my name out, and they're traveling, they're doing the miles and all that stuff. Well, you gotta pick. you got to pick where you go. If you go somewhere and you're working at Joe's shit show, well, it's doing nothing for you. You know, it's taking bumps that you'll never get back. You know, you can have so many bumps on your body. It could be a bad ring. You don't know. You don't know anything about the person. They might promise you a good payday, and you get there, oh, lighthouse, right? So it's not worth it. It's making connections in pro wrestling and then going where the connections are and being seen by the right people, right? I can't emphasize that enough, being seen by the right people. You can be in the same building week in, week out. But if that place has the right connections like we do, that's the great thing about Rocket City. We have the right connections. We can get you seen. We can get you in front of the right people. And I don't know a lot of promoters that can say that. Well, we're down to the last few minutes of today's show, and I want to give you ample time if there is anything you would like to say in closing, and if you want to plug and promote anything and everything, the social media, the upcoming shows, merchandise, your favorite NBA team, anything at all, floor is all yours. <laughs> Okay, man. Uh, well, Rocket City, uh, we're celebrating our seven seven year anniversary, December second at the Rocket City Arena, Hayes Green, Alabama. Um, we're live first and third Saturday of every single month, constantly. We never ever miss. Uh, our biggest, one of our biggest shows of the year is the Rocket City Rumble, the first Saturday of January. We'll have easily 500 people in attendance. Um, one of the biggest rumbles in the South. We usually have like 40 guys in there. So um, yeah, I mean, if you want to see us on uh, social media, it's Facebook, Rock State Champions of Wrestling, Instagram, Rock State Champions of Wrestling, Bruiser Kohlhoff, look at those. Um, Twitter, RCCW Pro. Um, yeah, that, that's about it, guys. I mean, I, I appreciate the time and having me on today. You're welcome. Our pleasure. And uh, hopefully we will do this again. And I want to wish you and all of the Rocket City Championship Wrestling crew continued success. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you and have a great day. You're welcome. Thank you. All right, Coach, I'm sure you got some things to plug and promote. Yeah, you guys can check me out at Coach Mike Jones, the coach with the most. Coach Mike Jones on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. Don't forget to check out the Real School Army and the NGW Green Room for hundreds of interviews from celebrities all over the world. And the Coach Mike Jones Show podcast every noon Pacific, Saturdays. This next Saturday, the 2nd of December, I got Cosmo Williams. And at the end of the year, I got a special with Sam Sims on the 30th. And also, don't forget, December 9th, they got Seattle Sports Union. 
want to thank all the fans out there for all your input and feedback and and for all your support. Thank you so much. We love you guys. All right, and fans, you can find us next week. We got Cuball Carmichael coming up on Friday, one week from this very day, Wives Day Part Six. We're looking forward to having some of the wrestling wives join us. They don't get the spotlight, but they are vital to the success of a wrestler in a lot of different ways, so we look forward to having them. You can also find me on the 9th of December back at the Key Peninsula Civic Center for Northwest Pro. Also, if you head over to the YouTubes, the Sign of the Times episode 606 is available Dimitri and QT making their return to the sign of the times. Far too long for each of them to be on, but we made it happen. Also, guest cameo appearance from CPW head Yvonne Sieber, so make sure you check that out. We were at an undisclosed ring, which has seen some stuff for sure. So check that out, and we will talk to you next week, everybody. Be safe out there. And get out and support your local independent professional wrestling wherever it may be near you.